Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on sending checks with condolence cards, asking other parents if their children are vaccinated, giving gifts when a wedding is affected by the pandemic, and dealing with noise while working odd hours from home. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question is about being overwhelmed with baby gifts. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript from Emily's 1922 edition on Afternoon Teas. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. We did something really special this week. <laughs> hey, it was kind of fun, wasn't it? It was incredible. Um, we did our first ever post-family Zoom call, and I think we had absolutely every family member except for one ex-wife, which can tell you how close we all are even after marriages dissolve. And and that wasn't even for any bad reason, I don't think. I think that was just timing. Um, but we we got to be on the phone on the phone with each other via Zoom and we were all there. Dan, tell everybody why we were there. It was the date of our grandmother Mud, Elizabeth Post's birthday, and it would have been her one hundredth birthday. And I think the the siblings in the generation one step up from us got to talking and said, Let's use this as an excuse to get the whole family together and it ended up being a really good excuse and as you said i was so surprised it was kind of a a quick invite it happened kind of quickly and the fact that everybody signed on was pretty remarkable it was so much fun to see sort of the back call get answered i know right and it was these are people that For some of us cousins, we haven't seen each other in years since whomever got married last. And for other cousins, we see each other every single week. Uh, Dan and I obviously talk almost every day. Like it's, it's really different. And I think we're a family that we, we are one of those families where it's kind of like no matter how far you've been apart or how long you've been apart, you really do just pick right back up and. Casey is Casey and Pete is Pete and you and I, you and I, you know, and Will's Will. And we just, we also are who we are, (laughs) like, you know, but it was really fun. Your mom got us all together to do a toast to mud and to cheers her and to kind of celebrate and remember this wonderful kind of second matriarch of our family. Right. I mean, Emily's our big matriarch, but mud was also an incredibly big unifier. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she just, she put family first in so many ways. We all agreed that she would definitely be 
smiling down, looking on us. And, um, and it was really special, but it was also, it was cool the way your mom scheduled the whole thing and set it all up. So she let us know that the four siblings, Mud's children, would get to do a, a real kind of like speech or toast. And then what she did is she opened it up to then their children. So the grandchildren of that branch of the family could say something that they remembered if they wanted to say anything. So Cindy was really smart and she let people know ahead of time, I'm going to mute everybody. And when it's your branch of the family's turn, I'm going to unmute each of you. Wait until your family elder has spoken. And then I'm pretty sure we went in age order. So it was like Anna went first and then me. And in your family, you went first and then Will. And in, in Pete's family, Pete went first and then Jill. And so everybody kind of got their chance. It was really well organized, really well done. Funny moment when Uncle Alan, so after each person spoke, we would cheers and take a drink. And Uncle Alan, like, I think by the third cheers was like, great, we're all going to be drunk. <laughs> it was, it, while it was so much fun like that, like you say, people's personalities just emerged, came out of everywhere. And while we're talking about that, how about my brother showing up 10 minutes before the end of the call? <laughs> and blaming my mother for emailing him and not his wife for I an actual appointment. I did not notice that. <laughs> so funny. And but so anyway, it, it, it's almost impossible, like you say, to 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 suppress people's personalities, particularly people you've known so well. I, I like you also yeah. just shined back at Casey, who's in Colorado. We see less of, and his remembrance of Mud was about her as a connector to this larger family that he cared so much mm -hmm. about. It was mm -hmm. a lot of people's reflections were very personal. And um, I think that's one of the reasons the call ultimately felt so satisfying. And yet, as we talk about it, there was this and I don't want to call it formal, but there was a structure. It was so post family in the fact that it was I know it was built around a toast and around this sort of progression through a hierarchy of the family. And um, even, even things like the organizing sister being like sort of organizing about it. Yeah. And <laughs> But I was thinking about no, that structure very much so like and that. how it functions yeah. in some ways. You know, you build you build the plumbing so the hot water can flow. And I was I was reminded yeah. that there is there's both a lot of plumbing in our family, but there's a lot of hot water. <laughs> very true. Very true. It was it, it was awesome to see everyone. For me, it was the largest Zoom call I had done. I thought it was handled really, really well. It also it, it had that that feeling of togetherness that you wanted. You know, I'm hoping our family chooses to do that more often. I don't want to make it sound like sad sack or anything like that. But being on my own through this, it meant a lot to see each and every family member and to, to just physically, I, I guess, physically, but virtually see that they are there, that they're alive and well, that their kids are smiling you know, it it did. It meant it meant something to me for sure. I think the first words out of my mouth were I love you all and it's so good to see everybody. <laughs> to see you. Yeah, no. It's really true. It was really true. We hope that uh that you all are having many great connections with your friends and family. I know everyone's sort of getting sick of virtually connecting and I've I've heard this week a lot of people feeling like everyone's starting to say no to Zoom calls and stuff like that and gatherings online but um we know that for for many people uh this makes a big difference that continuing to put effort into connecting to people makes a big difference right now 
And that doesn't have to be hours long conversations. It can be really quick chats. It can, it can be small things that make a difference, but they say now is the part of this where, where we can't give up and we've got to really try to be there for one another. So, uh, from our family to yours and to your friends as well, we really encourage you to be there for each other right now. Here, here. Should we be there for our listeners? I was going to say, I, I smell a transition coming. <laughs> Shall we get to some questions? Let's do it. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day... We here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question this week is about cash with condolences. Good afternoon. Is it ever appropriate for someone to include a check with a condolence card? The sender was not a family member that was helping with funeral responsibilities. Thank you, Sherry. No, typically you don't see people sending cash for funerals. But at the same time, we have learned by this question coming up that in certain communities, This does happen. And so if this is the standard in your family group, it might be something that you end up doing that's unfamiliar to somebody else. Um, it's, it's, it's again, it's not common, but it is something we've heard about from time to time. I, I probably wouldn't take offense to it, but 
personally, because it's not something I've seen done a lot, I would be a little confused. And then I'd say, okay, like, I I don't know. What would you do, Dan? Because it's a little different. It is a little different. And my mind sort of ran through a few possibilities. And um, one would be helping out with the funeral arrangements themselves. That's one use for that cash. The other is that oftentimes you see these directions in lieu of flowers, please offer a donation. And I was thinking about someone who... College fund or donation. Exactly. didn't, Didn't know what that was or the best way to do that, saying, oh, I'll just include a little something with my condolence note. My mind is going to the place of looking for the best possible intentions or wishes of the person who did it. And that would be the way I would try to receive it. With the spirit of generosity, right, cuz? With the spirit of generosity in which it was given. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm also taking note as sort of someone who keeps track of etiquette, the confusion that comes along with receiving that cash. And I would think to myself, if I was feeling so inspired, I would want to give some indication about what my thinking was, just sort of as a, a, a way to turn this confusion to a little lesson for myself. Would you ever, if you received it, call the person to ask what the money was for if they hadn't indicated anything? I'm wondering if there's any etiquette obligation on the part of the receiver to make sure it goes toward whatever it's intended for. And again, typically the giver would be the one to indicate that. But, you know, we have these moments where people, you know, don't don't make things perfectly crystal clear for us. Would you would you ask? Would you say, oh, we got this, but it wasn't indicated if it was for flowers or a donation and we wanted to make sure it went to the right place? Would that be good? My answer is the totally unsatisfying. It depends. It would depend on how I knew the person, how they were related to the deceased, how much money it was. If I was really saying, oh, boy, this is something I have to be sure I understand. I'm going to figure out a way to reach out if it's, oh, this is mom's best friend ever. I wonder if they had a little thing about this (laughs) and and I'll just ask her. Um, or it, it might not be that easy. It might be from someone who's a little more distant from the family or the person who receives it or where you say to yourself, it's just not practical. It comes with a volume of condolences and it's just something you take note of. It is something that I would say you should acknowledge. So if you've received this, I would at the very least, if you're not going to ask any questions about it and its intentions, I would make sure to make a reference to it in my acknowledgement when I send a thank you for that condolence of, you know, and thank you so much for the for the check as well. You can either include what you put it towards or you can say, you know, that it will come in helpful or we were really grateful to receive it. Um or whatever is is truthful but benevolent and, and kind and thoughtful way to say it, you know, not, oh, we were so glad to see it, but totally confused. <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to go that route. <laughs> Good reminder about the acknowledgement of the condolence cards. Those happen whether there's a gift or not. Sherry, thank you so much for this question. And we hope that our answer helps as you're keeping track of your P's and Q's at a difficult time. You see, Nora, different letters have different purposes. They do all kinds of things. Writing letters is just a talent. Some people are born with it, some aren't. (laughs) I'm glad you appreciated my help.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, Verifying Vaccinations. Hello, is there any way to politely ask a fellow parent whom you know if they vaccinate their children when a no answer would result in me not wanting our children to play together? I'm talking about arranging playdates and having friends visit, etc. Not asking strangers on the playground or at the library or anything like that. Thanks for any advice. Anonymous. Anonymous, I almost want to call upstairs and get Pooja to come down here and give us the sample script because she has been the person in our family who's been most responsible for asking this question. And I will tell you, based on the conversations that have followed, that there is absolutely mm -hmm. a polite way to ask this question. The trick Good. is... I like solutions. Yeah, no. <laughs> it, this, is, this is something that parents ask about these days. It's part of keeping track of your child's health and safety and knowing who's been vaccinated when there are concerns about people not getting vaccinated and there are outbreaks of things that are not nice to get and are preventable if people are vaccinated. It's... It's something that matters enough to parents. It's a conversation that happens, even though it's a conversation about people's health and people's healthcare decisions. So you're wise to be thinking about sort of careful approaches to this conversation or taking some responsibility for your own interest when you ask those questions. But they're also questions that are very much part of the, the, the public discussion among parent groups these days. Okay, so taking stock, it, it now kind of is a more common question to be asked and answered. We understand a bit more about the varying reasons why this question may be asked when typically medical questions aren't something that we volunteer up in pre-playdates. Pre hmm. um, is it just that it's a health question or are there other things that also make this really difficult? There are some kind of tricky twists and turns to this one because it is a personal okay. health decision, but it's one that then affects other people. So yeah. the personal becomes political or social, but almost by definition because the choices you're making are impacting others. And then the ways that people feel about that are strong, particularly because the, the impact involves people's safety. So – how do you have that conversation well? I've just set it all up as a sort of a fraught and difficult thing. And now I want to deconstruct that a little bit and say, you know, and make it more comfortable and accessible. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk sample scripts because those are so useful for crossing that awkwardness boundary and having something that otherwise might feel difficult, feel comfortable and acceptable. How about something like, oh, there's something I've been meaning to talk with you about. It's a little personal. I'd like to ask about vaccines before we get our kids together. Dan, what I really like about asking um, asking to ask is that it also kind of lets you recognize the idea that this is a potential conflict, that this is you're aware that this isn't the easiest question to discuss. And I think that it's nice to put that out there. The way that makes that successful 
isn't by doing it in a tone that says, I need to talk about something and it's kind of awkward, you know, where that's stern and a little bit like curt and like, I'm setting a boundary. I'm letting you know what I'm doing. Rah. Instead, you want it to feel more friendly and accepting and really permissive of the other person to not engage in the conversation. You can do that confidently by knowing that you know how to proceed if the answer you get isn't one that makes you think, yay, our kids can play together. Having already that polite way to handle the this isn't going well or this isn't going to be a, a, a place where we can say yes to playdates. I think is really important. What is that language in the back pocket if you do get an answer that means, oh, we can't have a play date? I think you just let someone know that you're going to need to talk more about it if you want to get your kids together. I think that sounds really good. I liked how gentle that sounded. Just, okay, then probably we'll need to talk a little bit more, you know, or at another time again before we can say yes to the play dates. And know what your boundaries are ahead of time. So that you can be yeah. really clear about what that is. Say, oh, we have a really firm policy or I have a really firm policy that we only do play dates with people who are fully vaccinated or have vaccinations for X, Y, and Z. And I'd be delighted to talk with you more about that if you wanted to get our kids together sometime or if you wanted to just talk more about why we do that. That's an opportunity to have more discussion. It also gives them an opportunity to disengage if they don't want to have that discussion as they're aware of what the consequences are at least as far as you go in your relationship. Okay, so we've got ask to ask. We've got feel confident about your boundaries and know what they are before you make any asks. That way, no matter what your answer, you kind of know how to exit the conversation next or move forward with planning. Dan, give us at least one other thing to help us not worry so much. And I don't mean to say not worry because this is a concern. But, you know, what can we do to help ease people's minds on this? Because it is it's a delicate topic. It can be a delicate topic. And we, we've sort of spent a lot of time being careful and delicate with that Fabergé egg. But what I really want to remind people is that 99% of people are all going to feel very similarly about this, are all going to have their kids vaccinated. This conversation happens in a one-sentence question, one-sentence reply the vast, vast, vast majority of the time. And it is those one or two occasions where something comes up differently where you've got to be prepared. And like you say, you, you, ask for, you ask permission to have that. You're prepared for what you say if it comes out that 1% awkward. But generally speaking, you stay comfortable in the realization that most people are in pretty good alignment on this question and it's not going to be a big deal. Anonymous, we really hope this helps, and we hope that you and your children are going to be able to have lots of really fun playdates. Spring is springing, and it's definitely a time for celebration. Graduations, engagements, and yes, even some weddings during the pandemic. For all occasions, Emily Post greeting cards are the best way to let friends and family know that you care. We are so thrilled to let you know that now, through Memorial Day, Issa Salazar, our awesome card maker, is offering a 10% discount on greeting cards, which includes the Emily Post Garden Collection. Not only is there a 10% discount, but if you order $30 or more, and why not stock up, you'll receive free shipping in the domestic U.S. Just go to isasalazar.com and use the promo code MAYFLOWERS. That's 
isasalazar.com and use the promo code MAYFLOWERS at checkout. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next question is about a distant guest with a gift. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for continuing your very informative and enjoyable podcast during this pandemic. You and your team really have done a great job at addressing the new social distancing norms while retaining a sense of community. I do, however, have a follow-up question to your article, Wedding Plans in the Age of COVID-19. With an abundance of consideration for traveling guests, most of whom, including my husband and myself, live 1,000 miles away, my cousin postponed her much-anticipated March 21st wedding just one week prior to the big event. The couple did go ahead with the ceremony on the original date, yay, (laughs) before their immediate family and rescheduled the reception for New Year's Eve when we will all hopefully be free of this pandemic. We have not yet given the couple a wedding gift, as we would typically give a check to the newly married couple on their wedding day. What is the etiquette of wedding gifts when the ceremony and reception are so far apart? Of course, we spoke to the couple after the ceremony and offered our congratulations and well wishes via phone, but is that really enough to tide us over until the actual wedding celebration? The couple never had an engagement party or shower where we would have otherwise given them a modest gift. They never created a registry. But should we be sending them something to mark the occasion prior to the more formal celebration in December? Kind regards, socially and temporarily distant wedding guest. Oh my gosh, socially and temporarily distant wedding guest. I think that any kind of reach out or gift would be very welcome at this time. There is sort of this gray area, I would say, in in any kind of situation where you have um, a ceremony that's taken place and then a belated reception. And that's essentially what we're doing here with all of these COVID weddings in some shape or form. Some folks are are choosing to scrap the belated reception altogether and just say, we got married this way. I was actually really both sad and excited to find out my cousin, who is my my closest girl cousin, she's like my little sister. We just traveled to Italy together just decided to do this. And I'm so bummed that I'm not actually going to get to see her get married. But that's one where I say, okay, I'm bummed. But when I talk to her, I've got to be really excited. Um, hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you do, congratulations, like, Carolyn. Just so you know, like none of my family listens to the podcast. <laughs> um, some good friends do, but, but, uh, but it, it can be this kind of like strange space. And I think people really do still want to celebrate. And they really, I love the fact that the idea was that the phone call of well wishes, is that really enough to tide us over? I liked that idea that there was this like Me too, guys. I loved this. Yeah, yeah, yes. right? Like there's this like celebration and excitement and like awesomeness that, that the other person wants to participate in too. And when you stall that, what do we do? This is wedding gift giving at its finest, at its best. It's like I just wanna give it's like most well intentioned. 
And where's my registry? Help me, please help me. We didn't get to do showers or engagement gifts. By the way, if there are no showers or engagements, you can always just send gifts. Like there's no reason why you can't just send people gifts, folks. But no, in all seriousness, in answer to socially and temporarily distant wedding guests question, um, I think a gift would be very welcome. I'm sure it doesn't mean you would have to send a gift later. Um, consider this just a really long period of the couple being able to receive gifts and a really long period of people being able to send their gifts. So under these circumstances, I think it's not bad okay. <laughs> at all. Um, if as, and I think more so, I, I mean, look at the date of the wedding, March 21st doesn't really even matter what part of the country they were in. This was like the week where pretty much everything shut down. And it was like the week before and the week before that where people were still trying to figure out if their state was going to shut, how bad things were in their area. And I think that that those kinds of things make it really reasonable for someone to wait till the last minute. In this case, my hope is that because they're doing the actual wedding now, New Year's Eve, that or New Year's Day, I forget which it was, New Year's Eve, um, that would, uh, you're still kind of within that year of when plane tickets could get rebooked, things like that. Um, I think given the date of the cancellation, likely any travel plans that had been made and were getting canceled or rearranged probably fall under that COVID coverage, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I don't have so much of a problem with that in under these very, very, very unprecedented circumstances. I hadn't noticed the date. Of course, that was a period of time where things were accelerating so much. I guess the thing that had jumped into my mind was that at this particular moment, it can be hard to know what we're going to be dealing with one, two, three months out. I know people are wrestling with decisions. What do I do about my wedding at the start of August? What do I do about my wedding in September or July? And does it matter? Is September starting to be riskier? Is July maybe like maybe a sooner date is less risky at this point? So we go back to the original advice that we've talked about, which is communicate to your guests. So let them know that you've got X X number of dates, and maybe it's two or three different check-ins, depending on how far out your wedding is, where you're going to let guests know for sure by. So for instance, um, one of my nearest and dearest is getting married this year in July, and she let everybody know that two weeks before the actual wedding date at the end of July was when she was required by every, like all the vendors and the, the Venue, everybody bam. to decide, determine how many people were going to be there and if this was really happening. So she said she would keep us all updated, especially if anything got canceled earlier, but that for the most part, her wedding at the end of July is on and you'll find out two weeks before if for some reason it's not. And I think that's kind of the best anybody can do right now because nobody knows how reopenings are going to go. Nobody knows, you know, what these little wavelets or the next wave, bigger waves of this might be. And so it's it's a lot of patience and it's a lot of communication that's going to help weddings make it through this time. I love that recipe, patience and communication. Dashes and pinches, only I think this time we're using probably shovels and bulldozers, but yeah. <laughs> Socially and temporarily distant wedding guest, we really appreciated your question and hope this answer helps and that you get to enjoy celebrating on the new year.
families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Our next question is titled, Bombarded with Bells. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. My husband is a doctor who works late evening shifts, and he therefore tends to sleep until early afternoon. The type of work he does requires consecutive hours of uninterrupted deep concentration. So it's important for him that he gets enough sleep to work effectively to provide care to his patients. Since his sleep and wake schedule is different than the average person, we always sleep with our windows closed in our urban setting, even in spring and summer, in order to avoid daytime noises from creeping into our bedroom. We also wear earplugs and use a white noise machine. This system has worked well for us, except on Sunday mornings, when the sound of church bells somehow penetrates through the earplugs. Even though we're atheists, we can appreciate the long tradition that churches have of ringing their bells on Sunday mornings. However, during this global coronavirus pandemic, churches around the world have begun to ring their bells multiple times each day in solidarity to recognize those suffering with the virus, those who have sadly succumbed to the virus, and first responders. Although we certainly sympathize with and support those who have been directly and negatively affected by the virus, as well as the first responders, we can't help but wonder why there need to be multiple audible daily tributes around the world that ironically result in interrupting the precious sleep for night shift healthcare workers. What would you do if you were in our shoes? Thanks for your input. Sincerely, Anonymous. I am such a foul human when I first wake up. I can't even imagine the the grump <laughs> that you would come. You heard it here first, just so you all know the other side of Dan Post setting. <laughs> oh, some of my worst moments are right after I wake up when I don't want to be are woken really? up. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Ah, I almost want to drag Pooja in here and be like, Pooja, dish the dirt. <laughs> we don't have to go any further back than this morning. Um, Are you kidding me? What our, happened? Aria was in the kitchen <laughs> crying, and I woke up to the sound of the crying, and I came downstairs, and Pooj was unbelievable. I can't even tell you. There's, like, the, the, the coffee, the hot coffee sitting on the counter. <laughs> I forget. She was running in and out. She just hung the but bird feeders. All those are wondering, that's the only way to Dan's heart is uh, the hot coffee. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like the, the, she, I think she was outside. She just, like, 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 stepped out on the porch to hang the bird feeder up on the porch, and Aria was in the kitchen. I mean, we're talking not a big deal here, but the cries had been what woke me up, and I was like, what is this, a yeah. crying alarm clock? Da, 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 da. And Pooj is <laughs> like oh no da, 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 da. I, I just bad bad husband not a good mood not the first <laughs> thing to say in the morning not appreciative totally beautiful fine day why is our child crying <laughs> why are these bells ringing and <laughs> I, I see in yeah. the question the same work that i'm doing in that moment in the morning of saying listen I, I i appreciate the role that these churches play in their community i appreciate yeah. the symbol of standing in solidarity the with the people that are working so hard to get us all through this and yeah. i'm in some ways part of that i've got a 
awkward schedule and I'm, I'm really working hard to be my best for other people and this makes it harder. So I think there's just a natural point of frustration here and I don't know how much there is that you can do about it. Yeah. I had the, the first line in the in the notes to this question of what would I do? You mean besides cursing everything I can imagine privately in my own home? Um, it's, it is one of those things where it can be really frustrating, but our listener is very obviously looking at the, the greater impacts of this, you know, beyond just how it's impacting them, but also still at looking at that questioning whether it is the right thing for someone to be doing any, anything, whether it's a private person or whether it's an organization. And I think I, I've actually got to say that as much as I think that this is about solidarity and it's about community during a really difficult time, it's a question that I think this listener should feel confident, I think, broaching with the church, not in a you're terrible for doing this, not in a don't you see how this is affecting a group of people you're not recognizing or thinking about or that you're trying to honor, but really you're just keeping them awake. I think if you can leave those kind of attitudes out of your outreach to the church and instead present it to them as simply, a, you know, notice that you all are, are ringing your bells more throughout the day. We're assuming that this is to cheer people's spirits, was wondering if you would take into consideration this and and present your, you know, your state of so a lot of these healthcare workers are working overnight shifts possibly sticking to just the celebration at 7 p.m. would be a really great way to still honor them, but not, you know, not interrupt people who are sleeping. I don't think you probably have to go and add all the other types of citizens who might also be affected, as as you all have heard me say on this show, mothers of newborns, mothers of newborns, mothers of newborns. And that's because I have an, a newborn and a, and a mother of a newborn in my life. But um. I think it's worth crafting that really generous letter, not dissimilar from what you've written to us, but that just simply says, totally understand if you're not able to do anything about this or if you carry on with what you're doing. But I just wanted you to be able to hear the the differing perspectives from the community. I like that idea. I like that tone. While I don't know if you could expect a response or them to do the thing you're asking. If there are other similar letters, if there are other people feeling similarly, I don't imagine it would take many of those sorts of communications to stack up before you really got someone thinking on the other end. I think, too, that when you deliver that letter, just making sure that somewhere in it, there's the recognition that they might they might not acquiesce. You know what I mean? And I think that's always it's always nice. And I think it does put you in a position of truly just wanting to be heard for a moment. You know what I mean? And I think that that's, that can often feel like, okay, at least I've reached out and at least I've let them know that there are different types of people in the community that this impacts. Anonymous, we hope this helps and we hope that you're able to get a good night's sleep or day's sleep moving forward. Time bells are ringing for you and for me. Sweet notes of minutes we spent happily. Here by your side my heart seems to sing While now the chime bells ring Chime bells ring in My heart is singing Whispering darling For now the chime bells ring 
Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, and we sincerely hope you do, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. It's time for our feedback segment, where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. We first hear from Summer about episode number 294, No Thank You Notes. Summer begins, I had a comment on the question about the host of a baby shower who wanted to know if she should have sent thank you notes since the new mom said on Facebook that she wasn't going to send them. I had a friend get married a couple of years ago and her maid of honor actually wrote and sent thank you notes for the bride while she was off on her honeymoon. I thought this was such an interesting and sweet thing for a guest of honor, for which the event is a busy time, such as a new baby or a new marriage. Thank you for sharing wonderful and fresh takes on etiquette, Summer. Summer, I so appreciate that this landed well with you. Generally speaking, it is really important to write your own thank you notes for things. The expression of gratitude, connecting to the person who is the recipient of the thing being thanked for is it's pretty fundamentally important to issuing a thanks well. There is one instance where we make some allowances for there being some collective work, some group work on acknowledgments, and that's around the replies to condolence cards. That That is one instance where sometimes it can be really difficult for someone to just muster themselves to do that task and providing them with some support and assistance to get through that can be really helpful. It's appropriate. And you do your best to continue to engage that person in a way that they can really experience the benefit of of participating in that reply. But there there is some latitude in that instance that generally there isn't around showers and weddings. Yeah, absolutely. And you sometimes you're right, Dan, you sometimes also do see this for when there was a particularly difficult delivery or something like that. And mom is really recovering after in the hospital. You you sometimes see a thank you on behalf of. But typically, you also later on see the individual, the guest of honor reach out once they are capable of doing so uh, with those thank yous. So Mostly what we loved about your feedback, Summer, was your positive and generous attitude. So thanks so much for sharing and and encouraging others to, to feel the same. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette, and this week we're jumping back into Emily Post's 1922 edition of Etiquette to look at the section on afternoon teas. For those of you who are curious, this would be pages 169 and 70 on the Replica edition. What I really love about this section is that it gets at some of those 
slightly awkward conversations that you might have to engage with. This is like small talk on a on a on a legit level that Emily's advising on during an afternoon tea. The section is titled Do Come In for a Cup of Tea and it's under a larger section of afternoon teas without dancing. Because I know all of you tend your afternoon teas with dancing. <laughs> um, I do, as a matter of fact. I know. I do. Dan, Dan actually does have dancing tea parties regularly in his home. So, Dan, here are things to consider. But I love sort of the idea of the old-fashioned uh, entertaining that this little section portrayed. So, here we go. Afternoon parties do come in for a cup of tea. This is best society's favorite form of invitation. It is used on nearly every occasion where there is to be music or a distinguished visitor, or whether a hostess has merely an inclination to see her friends. She writes on her personal visiting card, Do come in on Friday for a cup of tea and hear Elwyn play or Farish sing, or to meet Senator West or Lady X. Or even more informally, I have not seen you for so long. Invitations to a tea of this description are never general. A host asks either none but close friends or at most her dining list. Sometimes this sort of a tea is so small that she sits behind her own tea table exactly as she does every afternoon. But if the tea is of any size from 20 upwards, the table is set in the dining room and two intimate friends of the hostess pour tea at one end and chocolate at the other. The ladies who pour are always especially invited beforehand and always wear afternoon dresses with hats, of course, as distinguished from the street clothes of the other guests. As soon as a hostess decides to give a tea, she selects two friends for this duty who are, in her opinion, decorative in appearance and also who, this is very important, can be counted on for gracious manners to everyone under all circumstances. It does not matter if a guest going into the dining room for a cup of tea or chocolate does not know the deputy hostesses who are pouring. It is perfectly correct for a stranger to say, may I have a cup of tea? The one pouring should answer very responsively, certainly. How do you like it, strong or weak? If the latter, she deluges it with hot water, and again watching for the guest's negative or approval, adds cream or lemon or sugar. Or, preferring chocolate, the guest perhaps goes to the other end of the table and asks for a cup of chocolate. The table hostess at that end also says, certainly, and pours out chocolate. If she is surrounded with people, she smiles as she hands it out, and that is all. But if she is unoccupied and her momentary guest by courtesy is alone, it is merest good manners on her part to make a few pleasant remarks. Very likely, when asked for chocolate, she says, How nice of you! I have been feeling very neglected at my end. Everyone seems to prefer tea. Whereupon the guest ventures that people are afraid of chocolate because it is so fattening or so hot. After an observation or two about the weather, or the beauty of the china, or how good the little cakes look, or the sandwiches taste, the guest finishes her chocolate. If the table hostess is still unoccupied, the guest smiles and slightly nods goodbye. 
but if the other's attention has been called upon by someone else, she who has finished her chocolate leaves unnoticed. Essentially, that is our first example of ghosting. <laughs> um, she okay, leaves so unnoticed. I <laughs> go to this tea party, and I want chocolate, please. Is there chocolate at all the tea parties? Because I want the chocolate. So when I was a kid, my mom used to throw a big, um, uh, it was called a cookie party at Christmas time. And it was just like, it was very much so like this. Um, two of her best friends would help serve things. All the little girls would be in dresses. You know, there was a lot of very pleasant conversation. It sounds ridiculously formal. It was way fun. Like it was so much fun. Oh no, um, I can see Trisha doing this. I can yeah, absolutely and- see it. And you would have, like, mom had special teapots for all the tea. And then I remember how glorious it was to have our hot chocolate poured out of this big, tall, silver. Um, I guess it's a tall, tall teapot, but it almost seems like some kind of, like, coffee thing instead. It's not. It's actually tea, but it's very tall. And it was just so awesome and cool and different and special and fun. And I could totally see you and Pooj throwing something like this. <laughs> We have an etiquette princess uh, storybook. Sarah Elizabeth <laughs> throws a tea party. Yeah. That's an absolute favorite. And um, <laughs> there, no, there are hints and shades of this all coming into my life. No question. Right. Uh, thank you, Emily Post. Thank you, Lizzie Post, for taking us back in time to join Emily for a tea party. That was so much fun. Well, and isn't it interesting, Dan, things like um, she's literally describing small talk right here. She's describing the ways in which you, the deputy hostess, by the way, that's a term we're totally bringing back, deputy hostess as opposed to co-host. I love deputy hostess. But I love that she's kind of describing how you would talk to this person. And yes, of course, if the person's busy, you just give a nod and walk away. You know, it's like... Oh, everyone loves tea today. Thank you for joining me down here. for chocolate. And oh, I can imagine people are just worried about their weight. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like... It just, it cracks me up thinking about what passed for acceptable small talk. You know, nowadays we probably wouldn't comment on something being fattening, or you might only comment on that if you really knew the person who was serving the tea. I also liked the the description that the the ladies who are serving the teas are probably going to be dressed a little bit differently to indicate that they are deputy hostesses. Little things like that. I just, I I think it's delicious. And I love our our great-great-grandmama for for putting details in. (laughs) Well, little reminder to our current writer, uh, keep those details coming. And yes. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to tea parties in the 20th edition. Me too. Barbara knows the girls are fearful because they have never attended a tea before. Actually, there is nothing to be afraid of. The girls are enjoying themselves. Their fears are gone. They can look forward with pleasure to other parties. Each of the girls has learned for herself the real meaning of etiquette. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Sophie. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. This past weekend I attended my first virtual baby shower. I have an etiquette salute for the organizers and parents-to-be. Recognizing that gifts are an important part of baby showers, and most attendees would normally expect gifts to be opened live, I was unsure how the parents-to-be would open gifts in front of 60-plus guests at this Zoom shower. Oh, wow. 
Instead of opening gifts one by one, the parents-to-be gave attendees a video tour of the baby's future nursery, highlighting gifts they'd received and showing everyone how their gift fit into the baby's future. They gave us a peek into the closet where many gifts were hanging, showed us the big-ticket items and open drawers full of supplies. They also listed some of the flowers, meals, and other parent-supported items they've received. The way they went about this did not single out attendees who did or did not give gifts of varying cost, and it also made me feel appreciated knowing that my gift had been stuck in the mail longer than expected. For parents expecting their first child in such difficult circumstances, they did an amazing job of honoring their guests and making us feel close to the baby. Sophie, Toronto, Canada. I love this idea. Sophie, we're putting it in the 20th edition. Sophie, this This is a great idea. Awesome. It's so much better than sitting there and opening gifts in front of people. And like, I don't want to nix that. I think for some folks, that is really fun. I'm one of those people. I love the surprise of seeing something get open. I cannot sit around a wrap package to save my life, but I love, like, it's got to be unwrapped. I got to see what's in there. I love this. I love showing people where the things are, what meals have made it to us that have really helped out. I mean, I love the fact that they're not just honoring the things that are the cute things that would display well on a camera, but they're showing you the closet full of clothes and the, like I said, the frozen meals and things like that, that people are getting. I think this couple nailed it. (laughs) It's a fun way to do a virtual shower that could otherwise become a little repetitive. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) what a nice visual picture to paint, how creative, um, Yeah, uh, golf claps and applause from the Emily Post Institute. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We so appreciate it. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers. And of course, please share it on social media. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show rankings. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.